This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and it's great to be here with all of you. Before I welcome my very special guest for today, I want to remind everyone, especially our new listeners to the show, to stay with us during the breaks, where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of women leaders bringing you news and education from their industries and the companies they work for. We continue to be grateful for the sponsorship of Women to Watch and the support and wisdom they bring to the show each and every week. As we expand to new markets, we are always looking for additional corporate partners. So if you're interested in being a part of the show, please email taylor at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. And don't forget you can download the podcast each week so that you never miss a show. And be sure to sign up for our newsletter at womentowatch.net. Now I'd like to welcome to the show Tina Brown. Tina is the CEO of the Overtown Youth Center in Miami, Florida. Tina, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sue, for having me today. I'm excited. I, um, as, as I mentioned to you before we got started, there's been a lot of buzz around this interview, and I know you're doing some incredible work in Miami, so I want to really get to the heart of what has led you to do this great work, um, particularly in the community that you're doing it, which is where you're from. So I thought we could start there and just have you describe a little bit about that community there in Overtown and where your personal ambition to do better yourself came from. Sure, sure, sure. So I am, you know, like you mentioned, I grew up in this community, um, had an opportunity to go off to college and um, study accounting and came back to Miami to work in the corporate sector, but always had a love for helping people, working with um, churches and things like that. And so, you know, I met a young woman who um, needed some help with uh, some bookkeeping at a church. And um, she was just like, hey, you know, my job is hiring. And I'm like, where do you work? I'm not looking for a job. (laughs) And she said the Overtown Youth Center. And I'm like, oh, my God, I grew up in that neighborhood. Um, I'm not looking, but I will submit my resume to your boss. And you know, the rest is history. I submitted my resume. I got an interview with her boss and the board, and it was really a no brainer for me. It was, you know, a community that I grew up in. I had family still here and, you know, growing up in this neighborhood, you know, really understanding the challenges of Overtown growing up, 
um, I was like, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, Overtown is, it is and was for me, a, a, you know, a community where, you know, excitement lied. Of course, it had its challenges. Overtown is one of the oldest uh, African-American communities that was once vibrant, filled with Black-owned businesses, um, entertainment uh, that was that was here by Ella Fitzgerald, Count Basie. So all of the Black entertainers came. Muhammad Ali um, wow. came to live. Uh, you know, he resided in Overtown when he came to Miami, um, but he boxed on Miami Beach. So if you were African-American, you had to live in Overtown. You couldn't stay on the beach. So all of the entertainers um, that came to Miami had to stay in Overtown. So, but growing up wow. for me, it was, it was great, right? Yeah. And then... Just like a, a lot of many metropolitan cities, um, there was I-95 that really um, destroyed this community, uh, displacing thousands of people by eminent domain. Um, drugs set in, alcohol set in, and so the, the community really declined, right? So it mm-hmm. went from a population of about 10,000 plus people to less than 7,000 people. And, you know, I, of course, growing up as a child, I didn't realize that, you know, we were poor, but we were. Um, I lived in a three-story apartment building filled with kids and family, and we all looked out for each other. Uh, but many of my, you know, my friends didn't have an opportunity to go to college. I saw many of them get killed very young. And mm. I thought that, you know what? Um Yes, I want to work for the Overtown Youth Center because when I was growing up, there was not a center like Overtown Youth Center that existed, right? And so only if, you know, there was a center quite like that, you know, me, a lot of my friends would have all been in a really uh, great place, better places, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I was fortunate enough to, you know, excel, do well, and to come back. But for many of my childhood friends, they weren't. And I wanted to come back and, and be a role model. And I was working in the finance department when I started as the director of finance. And, you know, I got involved with every aspect of the organization because it was a real sense of urgency for me to go as hard as I could to make this place um, the best organization that had the most impact to save the lives of children and families, to enhance the lives of our community and to strengthen this community. So it was a no-brainer for me coming into this work. You know, Tina, I I often ask this question. I'm I'm curious what you think differentiates um, between someone like you and and, um, another friend or um, person of the community your ability to want to do better and make it out, so to speak, even though you're still there, and those that do not, you know, what do you think that is? So first and foremost, um, you know, our work is largely, you know, bridging those educational, social, emotional, um, health and economic gaps. But more than that, our work is about exposure. It's about providing a set of caring individuals to surround kids, to inspire them to reach their full potential. And while there was not a program that I could go to growing up in Overtown, 
I actually had to transfer to a school out of my area. And there was a teacher who went above and beyond the call of duty, who was a mentor, more like an uncle. And, you know, while myself or my parents didn't have the knowledge about college, um, you know, my immediate family members had not had the opportunity to graduate high school. And so, you know, graduating high school, going to college was all foreign to me, my family, and the people that I was surrounded by. And this teacher really went above and beyond to say, you know what, you have potential and I'm gonna help you reach your full potential. So for me, it was mentoring Mm. and it was exposure. He was exposing me to different careers like, hey, he was a history teacher and he was like, you write so well, but you're very analytical. So maybe you should be an accountant or maybe you should be in IT. And I had never, and I'm like, okay, first of all, what is an accountant, right? (laughs) Right? Yeah. And he's like, you know, they're bean counters. What's a bean counter? (laughs) So I'm like, so I looked it up, did a little research. Okay, I'll try that. I didn't know anything else. And I went to school to study accounting because he said that you should be an accountant. Yeah. (laughs) Was there also that sense that he believed in you? Oh, yeah, he believed in me. And another differentiating factor was the fact that my mom accepted that support, right? Mm. She, you know, when you have a supportive environment and while she was, you know, a single mom and very, very young, right? We were growing up together. Mm. She was supportive. She was open. She didn't turn it down. Um, She didn't say, girl, what are you talking about? We're poor. Uh, You're not going to college. Who is this white man in Converse coming to this house to talk to (laughs) me about what you should be doing? Wow. She was open. She Mm. was really open. and, And she... He led the way and my mom followed. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think that's a really key part of your story, um, that your mom didn't feel threatened by that. Listen, we're going to go into our first break, and we will be back with Tina Brown, CEO of the Overtown Youth Center in Miami, Florida. Stay with us for our watch team. Now, the women to watch, Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. This morning on Your Radio Doctor, our guest was Associate Professor Dr. Megan Healy from Temple University Hospital, home of the busiest emergency department in Philadelphia, up to 100,000 patients a year. When a patient has symptoms after hours and the doctor on call says, go to the emergency department, people often say, I don't want to wait hours to be seen. Remember, someone else might be taken back to a room before you, but it could be due to a serious issue like a heart attack or bleeding that can't wait. And when it's your turn, you'll have the staff's full attention too. We also discuss when to choose urgent care versus the emergency department. Urgent care centers might be convenient, but offer limited services. They can do plain x-rays, blood and urine tests, but for head trauma, they don't have CAT scans. If it's a stroke or heart attack, they can't do a cardiac catheterization or give a clot buster. Plus, you may need to be admitted for further treatment. Acute onset of chest pain could be a heart attack. If not, other serious causes include hot gallbladder, an ulcer, a clot in your lung, shingles, COVID. Don't drive yourself or a loved one to the hospital. You can't drive and take care of the sick person. Call 911. Abdominal pain could also be a heart attack or a serious issue like appendicitis, pancreatitis. For women, possible miscarriage, even a life-threatening ectopic pregnancy. 
Short of breath, call 911 stat. And if it's an allergic reaction, use your EpiPen while you wait. Always carry a double EpiPen in case the first pen is defective or if you need a second dose before you get help. If an elderly person falls, maybe they didn't trip. Maybe low blood pressure or stroke made them faint and then fall. Patient with head trauma, motor vehicle accident, go directly to the emergency department. We look for concussion, hip fracture, other broken bones. Acutely confused? Could be a serious infection. Deep cuts? Need stitches within 12 hours. Seniors, use your life alert button. Listen to the entire show on your radiodoctor.net. Stat. Now, the women to watch. Military Watch. Hi. I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. You know, this past week, our Department of Defense celebrated its 72nd birthday, which may seem young compared to military branches like the Army, the Navy, the Marines, which are nearing 250 years. You see, although the federal government has overseen the United States Armed Forces since the birth of our nation, The U.S. Department of Defense, or DOD, wasn't officially established until August 10, 1949, when our military was unified under the Secretary of Defense. Before the DOD we know today, the War Department oversaw our country's military affairs. First established in 1789, along with the state, treasury, and post office departments, The War Department lasted until the National Security Act of 1947. This act led to a major restructuring of the United States government's military and intelligence agencies following World War II. Based out of the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., the DOD is actually the largest employer in the world, with more than one million active duty service members, 800,000 members of the National Guard and Reserve, and 700,000 civilian employees. With managing a workforce like that, it's no surprise that the Pentagon is more than 3.7 million square feet. So I'd like to wish our Department of Defense a happy anniversary and salute all of the service members and civilians who work to protect our freedoms. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks so much for being with me. I'm with Tina Brown, the CEO of the Overtown Youth Center in Florida. And, um, you know, one of the things I think about, Tina, when I look at your story, you're describing why you went off to school and got your degree in accounting. And, you know, it was at the suggestion of someone. Do you feel as though that really was your niche to be um, an accountant and get that degree? And and clearly you've done well with the financial um, piece of the center in helping it thrive. You know, Again, I, I didn't know much about accounting. I think everything is uh, divinely ordered. Um, and like I mentioned before, like my teacher led and I followed. Um, but after I got into it and I realized that, you know what, this 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 accounting of in school, of course, it's tough. Right. But I'm going to stick it through. And I, I, I can truly say that, you know, I did find my niche through the help of um, this angel 
who came into my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved accounting. And, you know, even once I got my accounting degree, I'm like, I'm going back to my church and I'm going to help them with all of their accounting and bookkeeping. And that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then I landed a few jobs uh, here in Miami, Royal Caribbean, Terra Nova, Terra Nova, some big companies, Extended Stay America. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Tell me what. So you have worked in both corporate and nonprofit. Tell me um, what's the biggest difference in in corporate versus nonprofit? Oh, wow. So the biggest difference for me, especially in some of the companies that that I've worked for, they were large, you know, they were for profit. So they had a lot of uh, capital to do what they needed to do to hire really experienced quality uh, staff paying, you know, phenomenal salaries. Um, In nonprofit, um, it is beautiful. God, it is God's work, but in nonprofit, um, you know, many nonprofits are smaller. They don't have the resources. So you're wearing like a thousand different hats, right? So in corporate America, you know, I was the accountant for a certain segment of the business, right? And then I had colleagues who were the accountant for other segments of the business. And we stay in our in our area, in our lane, in our zone, in nonprofit, you know, I'm the CEO, I'm the janitor, (laughs) I'm the school teacher, Um, I'm trying to raise money, I don't have a product to, to necessarily sell, but I do have the best return on investment that anybody can ever uh, hope for right? Which is promising young people and strong communities. Mm. Oh, I love that. You know, Tina, you've consistently worked your way up as far as levels, um, titles as an accountant and executive director, and now the CEO. Was that, did that happen organically for you? Or has that been a goal since you were young? No, not at all. I mean, Again, remember, I was the first in my family to ever graduate. Um, I didn't know what to expect in this big world, right? So, you know, I followed. Um, I always knew, though, that, you know, I wanted to do more. I wanted to be very independent. Um, I wanted to be the first, you know, to actually get my high school diploma and graduate. Um, The rest was like, okay, whatever happens after this, right? So um, I worked in accounting in the corporate sector. I came to nonprofit as a a finance director and I was just gonna crunch numbers, right? Until I couldn't crunch anymore. And my boss came to me one day and said, you know, I'm gonna be leaving the organization and I, you're the best person, right? Mm-hmm. You, you need to lead because you're from this community. You know everything about this organization um, from a financial perspective. Uh, you've inspired me in so many ways. Uh, and you're more than just an accountant, right? Um, you, you are and you should be the face of this organization. And that just happened organically. And I'm like, you know, when she started to say that, I'm like, no. It's yeah, not were me. you scared? I mean, oh, to t- 
course. Yeah. I'm like leading an organization. Oh my God. I always had a boss. I always had to report to someone. And again, coming from an urban community, I thought that's it. I'm going to work for somebody. I'm going to have a boss. I never saw myself as the boss. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you should, do you share that story with the children when you have the opportunity Yes, all the time, because I tell them that I am them, right? Um, And, you know, I share it with them. I'm here and you can be here and I want you here. And whatever I can do to inspire a young person to become the next Tina Brown, I'm going to do that. That is my life's legacy goal. Well, you know, I'm curious if you have, you really came in and um, I won't say turned the organization around, but you've been so successful in fundraising. Do you ever think, you know, I'd like to go help another nonprofit become, you know, fiscally sound and, and, and raise more money? I do all the time, um, because if I could save the world, I would. Um, I'm really committed. Um, I want nonprofits, especially serving urban communities to thrive. And I know that fiscal uh, stewardship um, and having a good grasp and a knowledge on finances is the key, is, is, is the number one key to success. Yeah. It, it, it really is both the, the personal connection that you have, as you said, with the people in that community and then the knowledge, you know, the the uh, the master's degree in accounting that you have. Um, we're going to go into our next break. When we come back, I want to ask you about what it's like to work with Alonzo Mourning. I'm assuming sure. you do. Stay with us for our watch team and I'll be back with Tina Brown, again, the CEO of the Overtown Youth Center. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. Nonprofit Watch. Good evening, Women to Watch listeners. I am Cheryl Mackey, Lead of Financial Empowerment at United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. Research continually suggests that higher education offers a wide range of benefits for individuals such as higher earnings, lower likelihood of unemployment, improvements in health, and greater civic engagement. When an individual graduates from college, their lifetime earnings double and the way is paved for future generations of their families to pursue the path to and through college. As the first person in my family to receive both a post-secondary and advanced degree, I can attest to the doors that it opened for my family. Currently, I have three family members in education, a retired firefighter, a nurse, an attorney, three nephews, and a son who are enrolled in post-secondary education. Even my mother returned to school later in life. While the cost of college increases yearly, in 2020 and 2021 uh, academic year, most colleges and universities have refrained from increasing tuition costs to meet the economic needs of families during the pandemic. However, college expenses are still more than most low to moderate income families can afford. The College Savings Account Program, through our community partner, Utility Emergency Services Fund, or otherwise known as USEF, help low to moderate income high school seniors, college freshmen, and sophomores in the greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey region with incentive saving matches that can build their assets and attain greater self-sufficiency. Students with dedicated college savings of $500 or less are three times more likely to attend college 
and four times more likely to graduate from college than those without savings. The Lubert CS program will afford recent high school graduates as well as those who have enrolled in college an opportunity to reach their goal of attaining a four-year degree. For more information, please contact Sarita Stanley at Sarita Stanley at U-E-S-S-A-C-T-S dot org or Sarita Stanley at USEFX.org or go to their website, www.USEFX.org. That's org. I am Cheryl Mackey. Thanks for listening. Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. My guest today is Tina Brown, the CEO of the Overtown Youth Center in Florida. Um, And really the center, uh, the mission, the goal, all the work is around helping children and parents succeed in what is kind of a tough area um, in Florida. And I know that one of your biggest um, financial partners um, is Alonzo Mourning and his foundation. Tell me what it's been like to work with him. So working with Alonzo and Tracy Morning, it's been amazing. Uh, When I tell you that I could not have asked for two individuals that are really, really passionate about community, about young people, about transformation, character development, uh, I, these, these, these individuals have been a blessing to work with. Can I ask you, Tina, um, some of the things that, because of the work that you do, you see firsthand children that really um, are struggle and perhaps are not getting the support from adults that they should be. How do you deal with that uh, emotionally? You know, it's 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 tough, you know, because, again, I was once one of those young people Um, but I do have an understanding of some of the challenges and, and while, you know, it's, it's tough emotionally, um, it's, it's a driver for me because I know that many of them don't have the support because their support system didn't have the support. Right. Right. Yes. So it's, it's generational. Right. And, um, it, it, it is a driver for me and my entire team because we know, we know the challenges that exist. Um, and, and our goal is to really have this very holistic and comprehensive approach to not only helping children, but helping their families so that they can be of greater support to their other children, right? And to also be advocates and ambassadors to other families who their children may not be in our program, right? With all of the resources that we provide. Are are you a spiritual person? I am. I, you know, I grew up in church. 
Um, and I believe that, you know, my entire life has been divinely ordered by God. Um, and I'm only here uh, to tell this story by the grace of God. Can you share with us um, a, a success story? So some, you know, a, a personal story that's really touched your heart from uh, one of the children that's come through the program. <laughs> sure. Um, so there there was a, a young lady um, in our program, and she's still a part of our program because our program serves students from ages 5 to 25. And I met this young lady when she was uh, in the eighth grade, although she had, well, I, I've come, I, I came into a relationship with her when she was about in the eighth grade because one of my staff called to say, that Yasmin was in the hospital. Um, and I'm like, we gotta strike that with her name. So w this young lady was in the hospital and I'm like, okay, what's, what's going on? Um, she was cutting mm. herself. And so mm. she was dealing with some, some depression um, and some mental illness. And I went to that hospital immediately. And I just, you know, I spoke with her and she was so happy. She was like, you know, she was like a two year old. Thank you for coming to see me. And she was so giddy um, and, you know, she was medicated. So she was like in and out. And I went there every day just to make sure she was okay. And while she had some issues, um, you know, we, our, our team just worked really hard with just helping her through like a lot of emotional issues. And she started to call me Gotti. Like, hey Gotti, she got out of the hospital. So I became her godmom. you know, I'm doing okay. I'm feeling better. And I'm like, um, she was like, I'm doing better in school, um, but I'm taking it easy because I don't want to get overwhelmed. Fast forward, uh, Yasmin, graduated from high school and she invited me to her graduation and she was like it is because of you that i am here you didn't judge me you continued to push me you did not feel sorry for me um, and i just want to thank you for being consistent mm. and telling me what other people would not tell me and we fought you know, hey, Yasmin, you got to go to college. And she was like, Tina, I can't do that. You know, I'm like, oh, yes, you can. Because <laughs> you are one of, and, and although you have some challenges, you are one of the smartest young ladies I know. Not only are you going to do this for yourself, you're going to do this for your mom. You're going to do this for your, your, your dad. You're going to do this for your nieces and your nephews. You're going to be the one to change the trajectory of your family. Mm -hmm. Wow. And she's right now a third year student in college with all of her medical issues. She continues to thrive. I invite her home with me. I'll never forget the first time I invited her to my home. And she was like, it feels so good to be in this home in this much space. Aww. And I'm like, you can come here whenever you want. But more than that, you can have this same environment. Let's mm -hmm. keep working. Yeah. You know, 
when we, we're going to go into our uh, last break. When we come back, I really want to talk to you about what you think really, what you've seen that is working. Clearly, uh, mentorship and um, people who believe in these kids is significant. But as far as breaking that generational cycle, what do you think needs to be done? And, and what are you hopeful for? I'd love to... to talk about that. Stay with us. I'll be back with Tina Brown, the CEO of the Overtown Youth Center, and stay with us for our watch team. Coming up next is our Coach's Corner podcast, which is a shorter version of our weekly show and can be heard wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm BJ Gray with this week's Coach's Corner. Is it hard to stay focused when your adrenaline wears off? I'm the most productive when I'm pushing to get something done because working under pressure suits me. But it's hard to be productive when that adrenaline wears off. And some people have other productivity challenges like unexpectedly their priorities change or they go through something tough. But even those stressful challenges can work for you to stay productive if you don't shame yourself for being stressed out or for getting or getting discouraged when something shifts at the last minute. It's not bad, and if you're like me, those situations fuel me. I jam under stress. And you know, if you understand the mood that works for you to be productive, you can use it to your advantage. Some people are night owls and get their best results after everyone's gone to bed. I know nighttime productivity is a no-go for me. I'm an early riser, so I don't fire on all cylinders after the sun goes down. But working under pressure requires a lot of self-control, and I recommend visualizing what you want to do so that it can help you stay on task and be productive. Thanks for listening to this edition of Coach's Corner. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn or at bjgray.com. Until next time, I'm BJ from Coach's Corner. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. I'm having a wonderful conversation with Tina Brown, the CEO of the Overtown Youth Center. And just before the break, Tina, we were talking about kind of things that that work and clearly kids having someone who who believes in them and points out, you know, their gifts, I think is so critical and important. What else are you seeing that's working um, outside of the, the obviously fundraising is, is necessary for all the programs and resources? Um, what else are you seeing that is working? Consistency. Consistency works. When young people growing up in urban communities, challenging environments can have someone that is consistent in their life, right? And in the professional arena, we call it accountability partners, right? Our staff work full time serving as mentors, confidants, teachers, and in many instances, uh, parents. And that is a 24 hour, seven day a week job. Mm -hmm. And when you have passionate individuals who have their own very similar lived experiences, who can relate, who can be consistent in the lives of children, that works who parents can develop a trusting relationship with, that works. Mm. And not just being there, but showing them and proving to them 
that our programs will not leave or forsake families. We will go above and beyond to provide the support systems that the entire family needs. You know, you can't work in isolation in communities like Overtown. You can't just deal with the child and say, you know, that's my focus. You know, it has to be this really holistic approach that not only includes children and families or their parents, but it has to include the business community, mm. the political community. It has to include the uh, academia community the health community, because everyone needs to understand that it takes a collective approach to changing systems that ultimately change communities like Overtown. Mm. And yes, you know, as you're describing that, I'm thinking that creating the security, you know, when children have consistency, then they feel safe and they can rely. Um, I should mention that you're a mom yourself. You have three. Is it three boys or I have three boys, three boys. Oh, my goodness. So tell me, what, what do you think? What's the example you think they're receiving by watching you as a woman in this leadership position? So the first example I think is <laughs> mom is a workaholic. And <laughs> <laughs> Wait, aren't we supposed to be fighting against that? I hope you take some time off. We, we are. We, we are. are. Uh, but my, my kids are entrenched in my work. And I think the greatest example for my kids is seeing their mom care for the community um, like I do, you know? Um, and I teach them that it is important to give back. And they also see that while they are very fortunate, there are so many kids who are not as fortunate um, and that those kids need someone to care for them. And, and, and while they have to share their mom with a thousand other kids, I yeah. think that it, it is the example that I, I want my kids to um, see. I want them to embrace communities like Overtown and whether they stay in Miami or not, I want them to you know, reach back, volunteer, give back and, and, and really uh, work to change um, someone else's life. Yeah. You know, I'd love to give you an opportunity just to speak directly to our listeners. If there's any potential donors um, listening to the show, what would be the one message you would want to share with them? I would want to share that, you know, everyone has the opportunity and the ability to change, to be the change that they want to see in this world. You know, um, individuals individuals can donate their time, their talents, or their their treasures. There is nothing too big or too small, and there is not one community that is lacking support from the business community, from professionals. Um, and I would just like to say, give give back however you can to change your community or to change the world that you want to live in. 
That's a great way to end the show, um, Tina. I, I thank you so much and wish you continued success. I believe it's your optimism that um, has led to the great work you've been doing. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Sue. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Stay tuned next week for my conversation with Dr. Yaba Blay. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.